Welcome to a special bonus episode of This Week in the CLE, which each weekday is a discussion and analysis of the news by the editors of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm the host, Chris Quinn. But today, we have something quite different. Arthur Keith is a 19-year-old man who was shot and killed by police last year while children at the King Kennedy Boys and Girls Club watched. Reporter Olivia Mitchell spent time with those children. This is her story. For those people who don't know Arthur Keith, what would you want to tell the world about him? He was in the streets, but he was a good person. And he didn't deserve what he got, so... Whatever he, what the police have done, they deserve to be punished for that because no man deserves to be gunned down. And that's against the law to gun a man down like that. On November 13, 2020, about 100 yards from the Boys and Girls Club in the King Kennedy Public Housing Complex, a Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing Authority police officer shot and killed 19-year-old Arthur Keith. The shooting happened within view of dozens of children who were on their way to or from the club. Arthur was one of their own, an alumni of the Boys and Girls Club who joined when he was just 70 years old. To many of the kids, he was a big brother. The club rallied around his young members and offered them counseling and support groups to help them weather their grief. And then, an unthinkably tragic turn of events. Just a few weeks after Arthur's death, 15-year-old Anthony Hughes was on his way home after one of the club's trauma counseling sessions when a vehicle pulled up and opened fire with what witnesses say sounded like 50 rounds with an automatic weapon. Two of Anthony's friends ducked behind trash cans. Anthony was hit 16 times. And just like that, the anguish, the fear, and the trauma were renewed for the kids of King Kennedy. This is the story of those young survivors of Cleveland's most violent year and decades. It's the story of the children coping with the acute trauma of recent months and with the ordinary trauma of daily life in one of the city's poorest neighborhoods. It's also the story of their troubled relationship with the police, who are supposed to keep them safe. The police who killed their friend. Before Arthur Keith, how many of you have seen someone get shot or killed before? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So all seven of you have seen someone else get shot or killed. Anyone care to share? How old are you? Twelve. How long have you been living in the King Kennedy area? Since I was a baby. Can you share what you witnessed? When was that Friday? I witnessed a murder. All I heard, I was in my room, I heard gunshots. Then I looked out my window, then that's when somebody was yelling. And that's when my mama had one outside, like, who, who, who was it? And that's when we had went over there. She said it was a dead body over there. And he was laying down on his back with gunshots. He's talking about 51-year-old James Jackson. He was shot on February 27th and died at Metro Health Hospital, according to Cleveland police. He was born and raised in King Kennedy, and his children lived there, too. How often do you guys hear gunshots in the King Kennedy area? Almost every day. Every week. Almost every day. I heard a gunshot the whole night last night. Some of the kids say they had witnessed a half dozen shootings by the time they were 10 years old. One teen tells me that at the age of seven, he saw his own brother take his last breath. But it's not just the gun violence, the kids say. It's drug deals, gang activity fights, vandalism, robberies, and the list goes on and on. Poverty makes selling drugs an alluring source of income, but the kids are aware of the inertia of the neighborhood. 
take the wrong path early in life and chances are you will never be able to correct your course, not without paying the price. When you do bad things, bad things come with it. So that's why you should just chase your dream, focus on what you got to do. When you focus on what you got to do, you don't got to worry about that stuff, but you still got to be cautious. Do you think living over here in this type of neighborhood, do you think a lot of people are forced to the streets? Yeah. yeah, sometimes. Because I know fake. A lot of times when it goes through my head, I be thinking to myself, like, dang, them boys be getting money selling that weed and stuff. But I'm not gonna, I don't do that stuff because I'm not trying to sell no weed and all. But, like, when you think about it, sometimes it do, like, force you to be in the streets. So you got a chance, you got a chance in the beginning, but after you in the streets, in the streets, you can't get out. You can't get out no gang when you get into a gang. None of that. You gotta stay there. Right. Is like you to kill? No, you is can't. They gonna can jump. Kill? They gonna kill you if you try. They gonna try to jump you out. To make a little money, the kids try to sell bottled water on street corners and at highway off ramps. But even these benign transactions draw the wrong kind of attention sometimes. The kids say young people from other neighborhoods target them in acts of retaliation for conflicts they know nothing about. Like we was used to be just to go and sell water and stuff. And we used to see like dudes from other hoods and they just be like, get some over here, we're gonna shoot at y'all. They really come back like they about to shoot at us. We'd be gone, cause I ain't telling to die. And then I seen Arthur die. And I seen Arthur die, I was like, and like, it messed my head up. I'm like, dang, the police did that to me. I'm like, see me, Jake? Arthur Keith, he's never far from their thoughts. The kids who knew him well thought of him as a protective older brother. He would make sure they got to the club safely and would sometimes give them pocket change to buy snacks. Like a record, skipping on his track, their stories about life in King Kennedy always seem to return to the day they saw Arthur die. One team mentions that he has recurring nightmares about the shooting. Another boy describes the memory of a police officer performing chest compressions on Arthur's lifeless body. With each pump of his chest, blood spurted from an open wound. Man, I got the video. I don't like looking at it, but I got the video that I'm trying to get on CPR. That's how I found because I wasn't at the scene when he got shot. I wasn't there, but like, as soon as he got, because everybody know, like, that was my, that was my dog. Like, that was my brother. They sent me the video, and it, I just, looked, looked like, broke down. Another young boy who was walking to the Boys and Girls Club actually witnessed the shooting. Something just told me, like, because, like, right before... It happened. It was all outside. It was like a little argument. And then we had gone out. Then I just look. I just see the police. I'm like, why is there so many police officers? Why? I'm like, it's not. It's literally nobody outside though. Like no adults. It's literally all kids outside when they went to the center. So I'm thinking, why is there so many police officers? So we just see them go to the van. See people running out of the van. Yeah. It's like, we heard freeze. When I heard freeze, I'm like, they about to take somebody to jail. I'm like, oh, they about, they about to arrest Arthur. I'm like, oh, what Arthur do? And then we heard freeze, and Arthur tried to do like a little move or something. He tried to like, he tried to do like that and go the other way. And we just heard shots. And I'm like, I froze, like I literally froze. Like, like I was just stuck there. I'm like, then I came back to reality and I tried to run, I ran around the corner. As the King Kennedy community watched CMHA police officers give Arthur CPR, emotions began to run high. Yeah, I seen the flash, I seen the flash. I'm like, bro, what the heck? 
So whoever comes, they try to get him CPR. So why are you giving him CPR? I'm like, I just look like, I learned about stuff like that in school when it gets people CPR and stuff. And then they like had no pulse. So I was like, oh my God, he about to pass away. And I, my heart was hurting the whole time that like, it hurt it. So I started crying and stuff. Then like, I'm like, when I see Mr. Rich, I'm like, that calm, it calmed me down that way. Cause I'm like, Mr. Rich will get us justice. I know that for a fact. The King Kennedy neighborhood is growing impatient waiting for justice in the Arthur Keith case. The investigation is at the hands of the Ohio Attorney General's office. But so far, few details have been released. CMHA police claim Arthur was shot because he was pointing a gun at the officer. But surveillance and police footage, rumored to exist, still have not surfaced. In late February, the Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner finally released the results of Arthur's autopsy. It confirmed that Arthur was shot in the back, shoring up the account of the young witnesses who say Arthur was running from the police when the officer opened fire. The kids say they know what they saw, but the drawn-out investigation and the silence of elected officials have left them feeling invalidated. If they still have faith in the system and in police, it's waning. And there's one more thing the kids of King Kennedy say they're certain of. Arthur Keith would be alive today if he were white. That would never happen. That would never happen. What makes you guys say that that would have never happened if he was white? What difference do you guys think it would have made? Because school shooters don't even. School shooters don't even. A man? um, Dying. And they be having big old guns. The white school shooters, they be having big old guns. And the police be there. All they do is be like, get on the ground. They don't be trying to shoot. Let one of us shoot up the school or something. We get loaded up with 100 bullets and smoke. But when it come down to Arthur, he running. Y'all gun him down. What is y'all problem? That's either. not cool. Y'all have tasers, all that. And from now on, after everything that happened with Arthur and everything else that you guys have seen, what would you guys like to see from CMHA and the Cleveland Police Division to help people that live in this neighborhood? They need to, when they become a police officer, they need to go through the right training or they need to do the stuff that they learn in training instead of shooting black men and black women because that's not cool. They really scared to come down here. Does anyone else want to answer? Y'all, when y'all be killing black people, do y'all think about our families? Do y'all think about how this going to do, how this going to affect on our kids, how this going to affect on our family? Y'all don't think about like that at all. Y'all just killing us. Oh, y'all think, oh, he black, he got a gun. No, we don't, we just, we don't want to go to jail, so we run. And it's not against the law that you can't run. You can run, and you, you they not allowed to shoot you in your back if you're running. That's, they are not allowed to do that. And you was close to Arthur, you saw what happened to him. How has it affected you? I, I ain't gonna even lie. I don't care for the police no more. Boys and Girls Club leaders have tried hard over the years to improve the relationship between black youth in the neighborhood and the police. The club has hosted regular roundtable discussions with kids and cops to help them better understand one another and the pressures they face. 
but both Arthur Keith and the officer who shot him, James Griffiths, were participants in those events. Clearly, healing the wounds will take more than just talk. Richard Starr, known as Mr. Rich Among the Kids, runs the teen center and the athletics program for the Boys and Girls Club. He grew up in King Kennedy and says the relationship between residents and CMHA police has always been strained. He understands why his kids, as he calls them, look upon the police with disdain and distrust. Witnessing Arthur's death brought that relationship to a breaking point. So what our kids is, it's traumatized for me because our kids witness a friend of theirs, a son of mine's, get gunned down by the police and they actually seeing him taking off trying to run. So they see him in the action of him taking off running. They see him get out of the car and they witness everything. But now they like, what you mean police? I, I can't, what you mean a community forum with the police? What you mean to sit down round table with the police and my kids? How? How can I, how can I ask my kids to have a conversation when they see other police harassment occur and then they see Arthur get gunned down. And then they're like, Pop, what you mean, Mr. Rich, you want us to talk to them? Every one of our kids said they ain't got no, they ain't got no faith. They ain't got no love. They hate. They dislike the police. They feel like they're murderers. And it's all CMHA for what they did to them. Now, we ain't even talk about the stuff that they saw other things happen with CMHA. But at the same time, where is the community policing? Where is the understanding? And where's the solution? Because... You don't got body cameras, you're not required to. You're not required to, to, to make sure all the cameras on your property. There are more cameras on our buildings and our CMHA properties than there are on anything else. CMHA property have more cameras on their buildings than anyone. But who has access to the market? Who can be able to pull this everything? We've been working, waiting three months to get answers on Arthur. They've been knowing about, talking about Arthur every day. Every day. I have kids who really contemplate what is going on. But at the same time, there's no answers, there's no justice. And the police should be held responsible. Everyone who was involved in writing that police report and holding back should be held accountable. And these kids understand that this is not the way it should be, mm -hmm. but they have lost faith in the police. I asked them, what will it take to gain the trust back into the police? They said nothing. They said that the po there's nothing that the police can do. But as we get on that, I still have to think about the reality and face the reality that our kids are living in a rough environment and they're being left for forgotten. How can I restore a relationship with the police department, such as CMHA, that we once had where we really worked together and tried to engage on community policing? Um, at, how can I do that now when, when our kids just witness some officers who have been in their club with them in their space Gun down Arthur. My biggest, my biggest, my biggest problem and the thing that I, I sleep and worry and, and continue to work for is where do we go from here? How do we find some solutions to these problems? And those are my next questions for you. As far as solution, there needs to be justice first for Arthur Keith. People often marvel at the resilience of children, their inclination to live in a joyful life despite the hardships of a pandemic, for example, or the loss of a close friend. 
In King Kennedy, some of that resilience comes from the normalization of trauma and danger. Sure, you watch your back, the kids tell me, but it's a numbers game. Not everyone in the vehicle with tinted windows is going to shoot at you. So eventually you take your chances. You stop running away. That desensitization is as important to their survival as recognizing who poses a true threat, they tell me. But leaders at the Boys and Girls Club know that trauma has a way of seeping into the cracks of a young life and splitting it wide open. They've sought therapy to help the kids develop coping skills in the aftermath of the past few exceptionally violent months in the public housing complex. Licensed social worker and lead trauma recovery coach at Metro Health Chanel Harris provides therapy to eight other children at the Boys and Girls Club who witnessed the Arthur Keith shooting. Harris grew up in King Kennedy too. She says she can relate to the daily stress of the kids' lives. I was speaking with one young um, gentleman, and he mentioned, you know, taking the trash out and having to worry if he's going to get shot or not just by taking out the trash. And that was extremely heartbreaking to hear from that young man who's only approximately 14, 13, 14 years old. And I thought, wow. So if he verbalized that to me, taking out the trash, I can only imagine what else he, you know, thinks about just even from, and, and this was one of the young guys that was walking to the Boys and Girls Club and witnessed what happened. So to witness that and already have these thoughts in your head, am I going to get shot taking out the trash? One, I'm doing what my mother asked me to do, or I'm doing, you know, something that's expected of me. And we're talking about a young man who's growing up in a single parent home where his mother is the head of the household. Harris says families in impoverished communities such as King Kennedy, where most children are being raised by single moms, depend greatly on the schools for support. To identify and meet those needs, the schools need more social workers and mental health providers, she says. And teachers must be trained to recognize the symptoms of trauma, which often take the form of behavioral issues. There's a lot of times children in communities such as the King Kennedy community and other surrounding urban communities, they go to school and they cry out for help in a way that kind of get overlooked because, oh, this kid keeps acting now. I don't know why every morning this kid comes in my classroom, he's crying, he can't sit still, he won't sit in a seat, he can't follow directions. Well, we don't know what happened in the house the, the night before. We don't know what that young person woke up to. We don't know if he ate or not. We just don't know. So just to overlook it as a behavioral issue, I think that's a major problem in our school system. Unfortunately, getting children the help they need can be further complicated by the stigma against seeking therapy in the African-American community, Harris says. The stigma of telling your business and that disloyal to your family when you're suffering because of this quote-unquote loyalty and this quote-unquote what, what goes on in this house stays in this house. When secrets don't help people, they hurt people. But it does take time to build that rapport, to trust an individual, to tell them what's going on with you. Because individuals that you love and that you trust are telling you, you don't need to talk to nobody when you are in your mind like, what do I do? And you don't know because you don't trust people to talk to people. For the kids of King Kennedy, the good news is there are a few people they can trust. The Boys and Girls Club staff and, of course, Mr. Rich. 
For many of the kids, Richard Starr is as close to a father figure as they will ever have. It's a responsibility he doesn't take lightly. Starr makes their birthdays special, attends their graduations whether from high school or kindergarten, and helps them apply for schools and jobs. But most importantly, Starr is their pillar of support through dark times like this. He won't let them be lost to grief. He won't let the system trample their stories or their truth. He won't let them feel unloved or unsafe. So we can talk about the bad things. It's a lot of bad things. It's a lot of good things in the neighborhood. And too. tell me about the good things in the neighborhood. We got Mr. Rich. Rich. We got Mr. Rich. 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 Rich do a lot of good no, stuff no. for everybody. I, we like everything. We need something for any time. And you doing good and you not on doing nothing bad. You being good. You. Making sure you get your stuff he done. Mr. Rich, these shoes, I just Mr. Rich bought these right. for me. The, the, Mr. Rich bought the Kyrie's, I got Rich bought those. He do a lot for the club. He do. He makes sure that we safe a lot of times. Like he don't, he don't like that stuff that putting us in danger. None of that. Like Mr. We got Mr. Rich, and then it's like Eddie. he really it got Eddie. He got Eddie take us home. He take us home. Make sure, home. Home. He make sure we safe. Make sure we good. We got Mr. Mark. We got a lot of no. We got a lot of people. But yeah. It's like. Eddie, make sure Jeez, everything, everything goes. But it's like when a, when a club closes, like sometimes, like, Yo, sometimes when the club closes, I call Mr. Rich and talk to him and stuff. Because I need somebody to talk to sometimes. I'm Olivia M